Welcome to the Back to Back podcast. Today we're recording remotely due to COVID-19 social distancing restrictions. With me virtually in the studio, I have Dr. Jeanette Wilson from the Biovac Institute in Cape Town, South Africa, and Dr. Francesca Micheli from the GSK Vaccines Institute for Global Health in Siena, Italy. And today we're going to be discussing why are bacterial vaccines needed? So Jeanette, being based in Africa uh, and one of the target areas for the Bactivac network, could I start with you, please, and ask which bacterial pathogens do you think we particularly need to develop vaccines against? So uh, currently there are um, vaccines against the um, pneumococcal um, bacteria and meninge, uh, the meningitis bacteria. So we're busy working on a group B streptococcus um, bacteria uh, vaccine. It's also a capsulated um, polysaccharide uh, vaccine. And um, so that's quite important. Our disease burden for, for uh, group B streptococcus is very high in Africa. So it should really be a key focus. Mm-hmm. And Francesca, you're obviously based in a, uh, a vaccines institute with a particular focus on making vaccines for low and middle income countries. How about you, from your perspective, which vaccines do we need um, in that bacterial space? Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, there are still many infectious diseases affecting especially low and middle income countries. Uh, diarrheal disease, for example, uh, constitutes a big issue for many countries in Asia, in Africa. But more recently, I would highlight also antimicrobial resistance pathogens that uh, uh, are becoming a big issues. Uh, not only for low and middle income countries, but also high income countries, of course. Uh, so Klebsiella, Staphylococcus, Pseudomonas are other pathogens uh, that uh, we require uh, attention. And we, we've heard that Jeanette and Biovac are working on Group B strep. What, what pathogens are GVGH? Is GVGH working on at the moment? So actually we are working on uh, Shigella, uh, salmonella, typhi paratyphi, non-typhoidal salmonella, and the group A streptococcus. Okay, so we've got group A streptococcus at GVGH, and we've got group B streptococcus uh, with the Biovac Institute in, in South Africa. And of course, listeners to our podcast will have picked up before from a previous podcast that Shigella has been a particular interest, and we've had a, a podcast previously on uh, uh, control human infection model studies with uh, with Shigella. If I can just maybe move now to existing bacterial vaccines uh, that we have, how can we make those more accessible to low middle income countries and how can we improve those vaccines? Jeanette, if I can go back to you again. Sure. So the, the um, pneumococcal um, conjugate vaccine um, is widely used in South Africa. Um, it's been um, used for a couple of years now, but it's one of the few uh, countries in Africa that are using the vaccine. And it's mainly because it's expensive um, and it's not, it's not affordable to many of the African um, countries. So if it could be made more affordable, um, that would, it would help the situation. Um, I think a lot of countries would like to use it but just um, it's not affordable. Um, UNICEF does supply uh, many countries with the vaccine as well. 
Um, but the countries that don't, um, that cannot get um, funding from, from, from UNICEF will have to pay for it themselves and that, that would be an issue. So in terms of affordability, how could pneumococcal vaccines be made more affordable, do you think? Well, an initiative that's taken, that, that Pfizer initiated was um, to partner with Biovac to, um, for, for Biovac to do the formulation and fill-in um, of, their, of their conjugate vaccine. That means it could be procured um, locally. And if that could be initiated in other countries, I think that would help. Oh, that sounds excellent. So partnership between a major manufacturing corporation uh, in, in a high-income country with, with Biovac for that sort of local supply. How about on the technology front? And this is either of you to chip in here. Are there any other technologies that could perhaps be used to make pneumococcal vaccines uh, more affordable? Well, I think that the one way to, um, to reduce the cost of vaccine, and I agree with Jeanette here that this is the main obstacle probably for implementation of generally speaking vaccines in low middle income countries is to look at alternative and innovative technology platforms. And now there is a lot of work uh, uh, ongoing in this direction. Uh, so speaking always about glycoconjugate vaccine, more recently bioconjugation technology, for example, or outer membrane vesicles based technology, nanoparticles technologies are novel approaches that are uh, being explored, uh, trying really to make uh, uh, the complexity of a vaccine, a vaccine like is for pneumococcus, where we have conjugate vaccine and multiple serotypes to be covered, less expensive. So more efforts are needed in that direction. And the other point is also the fill and finish, of course, because these usually constitute the major part of the cost of a vaccine, independently from the technology that is used. And also there we could go toward innovation and less expensive formulation ways, I think. Okay, so we've got the manufacturing side of affordability with the fill and finish, and, and that's where Chenette's company comes in with the interaction with Pfizer. We've got novel technologies, bioconjugation, outer membrane vesicles, nanoparticles. Most of the vaccines at the moment are all based around uh, multiple capsular polysaccharides being delivered in one or other direction. What promise do you think there might be for common antigens being used for a pneumococcal vaccine in the future? So there is work ongoing uh, trying to use protein antigens, for example, that could be common to different serotypes. Uh, I think more uh, uh, data need to be collected there, especially in clinical trials to verify the effectiveness of this kind of vaccines. Unfortunately, I have to say that for many pathogens, the polysaccharide seems to play a major role for having a good and effective vaccine. And this, of course, will require for many of them the combination of multiple serotypes and components in the same formulation. And this, of course, will increase the cost of manufacturing, coming back to the point we were discussing before. But also there, uh, innovation could be possible. And so also expression, for example, of multiple antigens on the same particle of combination of uh, cheaper bioconjugates could, could play a role. 
So that might be a future opportunity then to use common antigens, but for the moment, the uh, the existing approaches with the capsular polysaccharides and uh, conjugate vaccines of multiple valency seem to be the way to go. And uh, if we can make those more affordable in the way that Jeanette has discussed, that might be uh, uh, an avenue to opening up uh, increased accessibility. Francesca, are there other opportunities that you see for improving existing bacterial vaccines and making them more accessible? But for me, um, it's very important to work on technology platforms uh, because the use of the technology platforms uh, can accelerate uh, the discovery and development and, uh, of the vaccines and also facilitate uh, the implementation of such vaccines, especially in low and middle income countries. Um, also in terms of safety, for example, once you show that uh, one vaccine made through a certain technology is safe, this could uh, then accelerate the development of novel vaccines against different pathogens by using the same uh, technology. So I think this really should be the way. And now there are uh, already good examples. So I think that over the past 40 years, uh, the many ad advancements have been done in the field of vaccinology, especially in the terms of technology platforms development. So viral vectors, uh, also moving from bacterial or viral perspective, uh, bioconjugation, outer membrane vesicles, and nanoparticles, so also the advancement in the conjugation tools per se, in the identification of antigens, engineering of antigens, and novel adjuvants are all examples that go in this direction. If, if we can build new, easy, and affordable platforms, then that will facilitate discovery of novel vaccines, but also their implementation there, especially low middle income countries. Thank you, Francesca. And then moving back to Jeanette, uh, from the African perspective of someone working in a uh, manufacturing uh, institute in Africa, what from your perspective do you see as the promising technology platforms um, for Africa and for other uh, regions with low middle income countries? Yeah, I agree with Francesca that we, we need a, a, a new approach. Um, the, the capsule, um, the, the capsule um, polysaccharide vaccines work. They, um, they have been shown to work, they're efficient, um, but they are expensive. So if we could move to a common protein um, platform, the, the other idea is to, to combine the vaccines. So a big uh, problem in, in Africa is, the, um, is how to transport the vaccines out into the rural areas. And the more vaccines you put onto the list, the, the more of an issue it becomes. So if we could make combined vaccines um, in the future, I know that's a tough ask, but if, if we could do that, um, it would, le it would um, lessen the load on the logistics of getting the vaccines out there. And what particular opportunities do you see for combinations of bacterial vaccines? Well, the, the, the couple of um, suggestions is, for, for, for example, the maternal immunization program. There's the group B strep, um, which is we, what we're working on. But there's other maternal antigens that um, are given to pregnant women. For example, the tetanus toxoid, the Tdap. Um, and if we could somehow combine 
the maternal immunization vaccines into one or two components, then the, 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 the pregnant woman would only have to come in for one shot rather than having to come in multiple times. So maternal immunization is something that we've not touched upon before in the uh, Back to Back podcast. So I wonder if you could just uh, explain a little bit about the, uh, the idea behind ma maternal immunization and why uh, that's seen as a promising approach. Sure. So a lot of the, these diseases affect the newborn. Um, so when the baby's born, they, they're infected almost immediately and to treat the newborn is extremely difficult. So a strategy um, is to, you can't give a newborn a vaccine which will affect, um, be effective when it's born. So the, the idea is to give the vaccine to a pregnant woman and then the, the pregnant woman will, um, will um, develop antibodies that will be passed across the placenta and will protect the, the, the baby while still in, um, within the mother. And then when the baby is born, it's already protected against those diseases. Fantastic. So that's giving protection to the newborn at a stage when they, before they can be vaccinated themselves and, and taking advantage of the mother's immune system. Well, we've Follow that one with interest and possibly a topic of a, a future back-to-back -back podcast. Francesca, if I can return to you, I'm aware that GVGH have been doing a lot of work, particularly on the vesicle vaccine technology platform. Could you tell us a little bit about that and uh, why um, your institute thinks that's particularly promising for low and middle-income countries? Yeah. yeah, we are doing uh, a lot of work uh, with the uh, outer membrane vesicles-based vaccines. And the reason is that we believe uh, this is... Uh, uh, a platform uh, uh, that uh, uh, will have advantage in terms of affordability, coming back to the point that we were doing before. Uh, the reason for that is that uh, the manufacturing process is uh, very simple. Uh, after production of these vesicles, uh, we have uh, two filtration steps to obtain the final purified material. Uh, and also there is potential for a great immune response because the, these outer membrane vesicles have optimal size for immune stimulation. They present multiple antigens to the immune system resembling the outer membrane of the bacterial pathogens and uh, have, uh, are self-adjuvanting substantially because of the presence of molecules uh, like uh, uh, lipopolysaccharide lipo or lipoproteins that then, then stimulate the immune system. Uh, they can be produced from gram-negative bacteria against the same pathogens from which they are produced, but can also be manipulated in order to express heterologous antigens, both proteins and polysaccharide, through genetic manipulation or chemical conjugation. And this, of course, can offer the possibility to develop multivalent vaccines covering multiple diseases at the same time with a simple formulation. So benefits of both affordability there, which is something that Jeanette uh, emphasised at the start to uh, have uh, have costs that uh, uh, that are affordable for ministries in low middle income countries, but also uh, a vaccine platform, a vaccine technology that has a, an advantage of a strong immune response as well then. Correct. And coming back to what we were saying before, there is the advantage of the platformability, let's say, because then the same manufacturer process uh, uh, and knowledge on um, strain engineering and panel of analytics can be applied to vaccines for different pathogens. 
and that this, of course, then could simplify the transfer of the process, uh, hopefully to local manufacturers, for example, in low- and middle-income countries, uh, and accelerate uh, the development of the vaccine. Thank you. So, in the last few minutes of this podcast, I'd like to just get you to cast your eyes into uh, the future and uh, and ask you what you think the future holds for bacterial vaccinology. And Shanetta, again, from the perspective of a vaccine manufacturer in, in Africa, in South Africa, what do you think the future holds for bacterial vaccinology? I'd like to maybe take a step out here and go beyond bacterial vaccines. Um, and to, I think it's really important right now in, in the lower middle income countries is to establish local vaccine manufacturing. It's something that we we don't have in place. And especially right now, we're looking at this COVID-19 issue. We don't have the capacity to, to generate back vaccines on the continent. So it's a real concern to us. So um, I think the focus should really be by, from governments and in, in Africa to focus on local manufacturing. It's a, it's a challenge. It's a difficult process. But it's something that's very important to establish and then also to incentivize those local manufacturers um, so the government support them and will buy locally. So manufacturing capacity and that that really does contrast quite a lot with what's happened in Southeast Asia with the uh, large developing uh, developing country vaccine manufacturers particularly in India. Um, So I think it's true to say that in the southern African region Biovac is is the only manufacturer at the moment and there's really a, a, a lack of capacity throughout the African continent right now. So we wish back to back, uh, Biovac, I should say, every success in their uh, in their future, and we hope that uh, the future of bacterial vaccinology is one in which uh, Biovac and uh, and hopefully new manufacturing entities in Africa figure figure strongly. Francesca, from your side, what do you see as the future for bacterial vaccinology? So uh, let's say I um, I have two dreams mainly. The first one is a major involvement from the beginning uh, of the local governments uh, to push uh, the implementation of vaccines. We have a couple of examples uh, in which the vaccine development and implementation worked pretty well. Uh, for example, the Menafrivac experience uh, of the New Zealand uh, vaccine against meningococcal B. And I think uh, this was uh, also due to an involvement, uh, strong involvement uh, of the government from the beginning, also supporting the clinical trials. Uh, the other point is related to a better understanding of the mechanism of action of vaccines. I think that we have now many different technologies and we sh- should try to uh, uh, use as much as we can these technologies also to test them in preclinical and then clinical studies, better understanding how this vaccine work, because I think that if... Uh, we synergize from all the different technologies so we can better understand how we need to design better vaccines and so work in the direction of a better rational design of vaccines, increasing then the efficacy of, uh, of the final product. And this can come only by putting together all the knowledge collected with different technologies, I think. 
So a combination of partnership, increased partnership throughout the vaccine manufacturing process from inception onwards with low-middle-income countries themselves, but also leveraging increased understanding of science and knowledge to uh, to help advance those those technologies and vaccines. Thank you both very much for your time, Dr. Jeanette Wilson from Biovac and Dr. Francesca Michele from GSK Vaccines Institute from Global Health. And thank you to our listeners for joining us.